Hello, everyone. I'm Richard Roberts, and welcome to Expect a Miracle podcast. So glad that you could be with me today. Each week, I bring an outstanding guest to minister to you, especially at the point of your need. And today, my longtime friend, Pastor Brenda Timberlake of Christian Faith Center in Creedmoor, North Carolina. Hello, Pastor Brenda. God bless you, and thank you for being on the podcast. Hello, Richard. I'm so excited to have this chance to talk with you and just to catch up. Well, you and I have been friends for a long, long time, and I thank God for all the great memories that we share and the times that I preach with you and your dear late husband, Mac, and all the wonderful times that we have shared together. Yes, I mean, those were some wonderful times, and and I tell you, those times really propelled us to what we're even doing now, Richard. I think so. Tell me, uh, Pastor Brenda, how did you get started in ministry to begin with? I know there's got to be a story there about how you came into the ministry, how you and, and Mac got involved in, in the ministry in the first place. Well, initially, God spoke to him when he was to marry me in 1970. I was getting ready to graduate from college and he was getting ready to graduate uh, and he we were dating. And uh, of course, we didn't have technology like telephones and stuff like they do now. His household did not even have a telephone. Mm -hmm. And so as we were getting ready to graduate August before I was going to finish in December, uh, he had to have his tonsils removed. And so he was telling me that he was going to probably go to the Air Force after he graduated and I was going to go to medical school because I was in pre-med. Because I wanted to, my desire was to help hurting people. Mm -hmm. And so when he had his tonsils removed and I came to visit him, he told me that uh, the Lord had stood at the foot of his bed and told him, he says, uh, he had two friends. He didn't say girl, had two girlfriends that was there. <laughs> and he said, plus trying to date me. I was like, oh my goodness. He said, and this is what he said, the Holy Spirit told him. He says, the Lord said, these two young women that you're talking to will make you goodly wives. But for what I've called you to do in the earth realm, Brenda is my perfect choice for you. And he said, and plus I've called you into ministry. And so he said, well, God, I'm so young. He said, Jesus didn't even go to, he was 33. And he said, he began to see blood out of his hands. And so he said, he pushed it aside. He said, but what I've called you to do, I've called Brenda to be with you and I'm gonna hold you responsible for everyone that you could have influenced if you don't obey. And so when I came up to visit him, I didn't visit him in the hospital, I visited him in his home. He was on this medication called Darvon because he played in a band to make extra money. So he was out late every Saturday night. He'd come in on Sunday morning on campus and we would go to church together. I would take him breakfast so we would go to church together. And after we did that, uh, you know, this is where we was at a point of decision. So he told me when I went to visit, he says, he says, God told me to marry you. I'd go shocked <laughs> because he had not expressed it. I knew that I had, first of all, I had not even thought about getting married because he was like the only serious person, second serious person I had talked to, but my mind was on going to medical school and I knew I could not have a whole lot of distractions. And so, but I was impressed with him because he always dressed neat, was very respectful to me and other young ladies, and he always went to church. And so, but when I went to see him, the first thing his mother said is, don't believe or not, believe nothing that Junior tell you because he's on this medication. So when I went in the living room and he talked to me, he says, I want to propose to you because I want you to marry me. I was shocked. So I didn't say nothing for like two days. And then later on, I talked to him on the phone. I said, do you remember what you said to me? He said, yeah. He said, I asked you to marry me. And I says, okay. And so that August, we decided to get married December the 23rd because I was going to be finishing December the 18th. And Christmas was the 25th. And so that's what we did. But none of my family was, my family was shocked. 
uh, you know, because I had never really dated and they never really heard me talk about it. So we got married on a Wednesday at five o'clock uh, at my home church with 35 people. Now, fast forward, we were having his dad, uh, he Mac also played the keyboard. So his dad had become a minister and we were having his dad uh, with service. So he was going to a service on a Sunday night, uh, not too far from where Mac's dad lived. And, and we was falling behind his dad while a car in front of his dad hit a deer. And then his dad stopped abruptly. And so we hit his dad's car. So we didn't know that because his dad's name was Mac Timberlake and his name was Mac Timberlake Jr. They were on the same insurance. And so the insurance wanted to take care of one car. We got so mad, but we only got, I only got a scratch on my nose and the little money we had saved, we had to spend it. So he said, God spoke to him then and says, Mac, the reason you got this in this car wreck is because two things, you have not obeyed me and, and carry my word. And number two, you're not tithing. Well, you know, in the black churches, we never were taught tithing. We're taught to give offerings, you know. And so that's what we did. So after that, we researched tithing and we started tithing. But then we started listening to your dad on the uh, on the television. And we started looking at, you can expect a miracle. And we start listening to dad all talk about, you know, if you want whatever you want in life, you got to sow seeds of faith right. for that. And uh, so then after that, we start reading the Bible and listening to him. And we start hearing him talking about signs and miracles and, and wonders. And so when we went to church, we was in a Baptist church, and we didn't see nothing. I mean, they were seeing two stanzas of a, of a hymn and just stopped. So Max started playing the piano because he wanted to carry on. You know, you know how a, 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 a local black ministry, they like to really sing, you know. And so he. So you hadn't, so you he, hadn't gone into ministry yet. You're still looking toward medical school. No, no, we had gotten married, oh, yeah, you're, you're, and so we had moved in the area where his dad had lived in Creedmoor. Okay, all right. So you had not you had not yet gone into the ministry full time, no. though. Okay. No, but the, but the Lord, when we got in the wreck, He told him that He was in trouble with him because he had not done it. Yeah. That. So three years later, uh, he got called into the ministry, and when he got called into the ministry, uh, before then he was helping his dad, but before then we were not tithing. And, and, and so those are two things that God tells me to do. We just need to start tithing. And then he need to really accept the call of God. Well, excuse, Max said, then, you know, he said, my dad's a minister, my aunt's a minister. And people don't think I'm doing it because of what he's doing, you know? And so what we did after three years, he finally uh, submitted himself to going to the, to, to really what they call to be ordained. Well, how did you feel? How'd you feel about it while this was going on? It, during the three-year period, did you, did you know that he was called and did you feel that you were supposed to be with him in ministry? I mean, how'd you feel about it? Well, I knew he had an anointing on his life. I knew that he loved God. I knew he was passionate about the church and his whole family was. The, his family was a family of ministers. So, you know, I was not shocked, but and because I felt like that was what God was calling him to do. But I was going to support him because in those in the churches in those days, women were not pastors and women just sat on the front row and supported their husbands. So I was willing to do that because I was a Methodist. He was a Baptist. So when I got married, I changed to become a Baptist. And so, like I said, we started listening to Oral Roberts. I'm uh, expecting a miracle, you know, dead Roberts. And then he started saying, if you want to, you know, be blessed in life, you got to sow seed faith offers. And then we start hearing him talk about the Holy Spirit. So we started, uh, uh, you know, praying to God because at church, we just, nothing was happening. Nobody was getting saved or nothing. So he and I looked at each other one Sunday. What happened was a church called him uh, to be the assistant pastor every other Sunday because in the area that we live in, they only met twice a month. I had never heard of that. 
So we would do, we would, so now, is, that, this passage, is that in the Creedmoor area? That was in most of the uh, areas. Okay, now that's, yeah, area. that's, uh, uh, by the way, those who are wondering where, where, where Creedmoor is, that's, it's in the Raleigh area. It's in the greater Raleigh, North Carolina area. So anybody well, you, doesn't know North Carolina, they don't know where Creedmoor is. It's, it's, it's Creed, in the Raleigh area. And so what happens, I was a Methodist. We had church every Sunday, so I didn't understand. So what happened when his dad started passing and they, he, he did a men's service for this particular church, where they decided they want to go every Sunday, but the pastor didn't want to give up his church. Most of the ministers in this area had two churches. Uh, some may have three, so they treat maybe maybe preached at one church first and second, first and third, and second and fourth. So this pastor wanted to keep first and third, so they asked Mac to do second and fourth. And so he did that for a year. And then when we came, they came to when the deacons came to us one Sunday, we supported the ministry. He came to us one, one uh, day and asked us, will we be willing to be full-time in ministry? Uh, not mean just preaching, not, not to get paid full-time. <laughs> yeah. And so, so Max, said, let me, Max said, let me pray about it. So he agreed to do that. So he became the full-time pastor, meaning that he would preach every Sunday, but he still worked his job. Yeah, he wasn't going to get paid for it. No, well, you got fifty dollars a Sunday. Okay, <laughs> but because you did that as a side job, but you worked your full time sure. job. Sure. And so what happened? We started listening to Oral Roberts, and so when we started hearing about signs and wonders, we she started expecting a miracle, and, and he really contaminated us. He talked about the Holy Spirit, <laughs> and so he started talking about seed faith offerings. He can you say he contaminated you? <laughs> he contaminated us, and he connected us with the Full Gospel Businessmen Association. And we started going to your layman conferences. And we met a young man here in our area through the full gospel business, and we got full of the Holy Spirit. So then we started going to the layman conferences out there in Tulsa. And once, one, and after we got filled with the Holy Spirit, now after we got filled with the Holy Spirit, we're in the Baptist church, and Pastor Max started bringing out the oil and laying hands on people to be healed and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So the board met with him and said, we did not call you to do all this stuff. This is not what we call to do. So Mac turned his resignation in 1976. And, uh, and so when he turned his resignation, he, he was asked to sing at a full gospel business meeting in Raleigh. So he went there to sing. Now he went there, the prophet, this prophet called him out in this whole, uh, it was like a, you know, a ballroom and said, young man, stand up. God has a word for you. And so he stood, he said, God has called you. Want me to tell you that God's called you to carry the gospel. You have a heart of a shepherd. He said, but what God's called you to do, you're going to be attacked with cruel attack towards your personality. But as you hang in there, God will give you an ever accepting uh, acceptance for what God is doing in your life. And then God began to open a door for you uh, there in Creedmoor to begin uh, the church, Christian Faith Center, which has grown over all these years. And that's how it got started, huh? Yes, sir. Got started. And, and so we started doing local TV and we started. So out of that, like I say, here's the key now. When it says seed faith often, we started doing it. So now Mac decided since he's got all this that he's not going to punch man's clock all his life. He wants to be full-time in ministry. Well, at that time, we didn't know anybody in our area that was full-time in ministry. And so I said to him, have you lost your mind? <laughs> And during this time, Richard, Daddy Orr was raising, you know, asking people to donate $77 for these uh, blocks. For the building we were building. Build yes. Mm -hmm. So we decided we're going to sow $77. First, we started at 25 Then we started sowing 77 And so uh, as we did that, 
we start sowing, he, he, and he kept saying, the more, whatever you want in life, you start sowing seed faith opportunities. So that's what we did. We started sowing seed faith opportunities to ORU to what he would need to be full-time in ministry. So after three years, he, we had reached that goal and the church was growing because he was teaching the Bible. He wasn't just preaching. And people was literally coming. He started having Bible classes at 7.45 in the morning at Creedmoor. And people started coming from Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill, Virginia, Fayetteville, for two hours away because we had a local cable program that we were sharing that with. And so they were coming 7.45 in the morning to, uh, to 9 o'clock because he didn't want to interfere with their regular church services. They, a lot of the pastors were sitting their leaders so they could be taught. But what happened after people was taught, they didn't want to go back to their regular local churches. So then we got accused of stealing the members. And, you know, we were Jim Jones, all kinds of stuff. And so after that, the building started growing so that we, we had to build a new building. And it was then we kept First Baptist until we built the new building in 1986. Isn't it amazing, uh, Pastor Brenda, when you do something for God, people come out of the woodwork. The critics come out of the woodwork telling you that you're this and you're that. Uh, you know, you just have to persevere. You just have that's to stick right. with it and not listen to the criticism on the left and on the right. And that's what you and Mac did all those years. Yes, right. but you know, Richard, uh, divine connection is so important. And if we had not connected with your dad and you all's ministry, we would still struggle. I don't even know if we would be married or have even been in the ministry, but because of divine connection and your seed also connect you. One thing your daddy told Mac and I, he said, he said, Mac and brother, you too connect and grab hold to seed faith like nobody else. He said, I've had people to come here at ORU and did not make that connection. And then the next thing, Richard, when we was at one of the layman's meetings, one of the one of your uh, people, staff interviewed us about how is it that we were Baptist ministers and was Holy Ghost Spirit filled. And he made a cool little article in the uh, what's the magazine? Abundant, Abundant Life, Life magazine. Yes. We're around the world. I remember and we the started article. getting letters and stuff from around the world, people just asking about us and missionaries and coming here and we having them and stuff like that. And so it was through that, that your ministry uh, helped us. And then the shocker for me was when Mac finally decided to go full-time in ministry in 1979, I was out on leave with my second oldest daughter, my second daughter. And uh, I had a wonderful job. I had never got my medical license. I never went to medical school, but I was in up working in the hospital over a multi-handicap uh, building, making real good money in a position I would never have thought I would be in because I know God put me there. And when I was out on, med- on maternity leave, Matt told me the, the Holy Spirit, I would start fasting and praying like never before because I know it was making a transition. I was comfortable with Matt going full-time in the ministry because the, the church decided they were going to match what he was making on his job, not a, a good salary or what they were paying him. Now they were making him paying about maybe $300 a month plus what he was making his job. And so, so I said, okay, I've got my job. I'm going to continue to work and support you. Now I was working with him in the ministry, but I also was willing to financially support him by working a physical job because in the ministries, of course, like I said, in that area, that's what they did. And so I was, when I was fasting and prayer one morning, I woke up and the Holy Spirit spoke so clear to me, said, Brenda, what I need you to do is when you go back, I take a two-month leave, go back to work, put in your resignation, mm-hmm. 
in the end of this year so you can be in full-time ministry with Mac. I start buying the devil. Because <laughs> I was like, I won't be able to get no more new clothes, new more shoes. You didn't, you didn't think that was God at all, did you? <laughs> oh, no, because you know, I love my... I love money. I love because I was somebody I'd worked all my life to get in this position of prestige, you know. And then it, and then I I like making money, you know what I'm saying? And then I was somebody. But if I do that, I'm just going to be a minister's wife. <laughs> and so what happened, Rich, I went downstairs. When I went downstairs, Matt told me out of his mouth, he says, Brenda, God told me to tell you that in order for the ministry to be successful, that he's called us into he said, he wants, you have to quit your job and be it with me. And right then, the devil flashed before me everything I want to have. He flashed before me, you know, uh, just, just defeating life. You're not going to be nothing. You're just going to be a pastor's wife. And, and you worked hard for all this. But God said, Brenda, he said, who give you that job? He said, I want you to know that God, he says, I want you to know that church is not your source. He said, your job is not your source. And your husband's not your source. And he took me to Genesis Chapter 15, verse 1, after Melchizedek had given tithes of all to the high priest Melchizedek. And he says, he said, read that verse. And it says, he says, Abraham, Abraham, I'll be thy exceeding great reward. I'll be thy shield and thy buckler. He said, now, Brenda, look at that word reward. And when I did, Richard, he says, worth. He said, Brenda, don't you know that this is God speaking to me? I had never had that encounter before. Mac had, but I had not. Because I really had was not been seeking God like he had been, you see. And so he, he said, brother, he said, if you trust me, everything that you have need of, I will get to you. He said, if you just trust me. And, you know, he said, and he told me what to do. So at the end of that year, I turned in my resignation. People were shocked. And, you know, I, rich, I worked for the ministry for seven years without receiving a paycheck. But the God blessed us as if more than what I was making on my job just by waking in obedience. He told me to tell the ladies, he said, Max said, Brenda, God told me to tell the ladies if they would seek to fulfill the vision in their husband's heart, God would seek to fulfill the visions in their heart. This is such a good word. Those of you that are watching and listening today, uh, because many people watching right now are, are, are in the position where you, where you were, uh, Brenda, for in, in this sense. You don't know if you make a change how God is going to work things out. That's right. But when you are obedient to the Lord, the Bible says that you will eat the fat of the land. That's the good things. That God will take care of those things. How many times in my life have I made a change when I didn't understand the change, but nevertheless I was obeying? Just the same as with Abraham. You mentioned Abraham a moment ago in Genesis 15. When God spoke to Abraham there when he was living in, uh, I guess, the southern part of what we know today as Iraq, to get up and go to a place he didn't even know where he was going. Uh, He obeyed, and because he did, God blessed him. When you obey, obedience, the Bible says, is better than sacrifice. And you were sacrificing yourself in a job that was a good job. You're getting a good pay. You were up, up, we might say up in the air with everything. And yet God came in and had a different plan for your life, which was better, much better than the plan you had for yourself. And for those of you watching and listening right now, this is what God is speaking to you today. And that's why I wanted Pastor Brenda to come on. Now, uh, Pastor, uh, you built a great ministry there. And of course, my wife, Lindsay, and I have been there a number of times over the years and very close to you and Mac all through these years going on. And then something terrible happened. Your husband was attacked by the devil and went home to be with the Lord. 
and left you with children and left you with a ministry when he had been the head, he had been a bishop over a number of churches, uh, uh, responsible to him. Here he's uh, sought after all over the world and all of a sudden you're left alone and you are the minister yourself. And I remember what you went through. Can you share a little bit about that? Because there are people right now watching who are where you were. Yes, sir. You know, the, in the, the Bible says in John 10 and 10, the thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. We say, I come to give you life and life more abundantly. We sometimes, as God's children, think that we are prone to attack. But we're the ones that's on the devil's hit list because if he can stop us right. or defeat us, then we won't win no more souls and we won't do damage to his kingdom. And so what happened is we was at the peak of our career, Richard. I mean, the, the Lord was just opening so many I, I doors. Remember. We were going around the world and, you know, and, and, and just doing great things. And, and, and then that travel, you know, we had to do a lot of travel. During those days, if you were at flu first class, you know, they had smoking and all like that in the planes then. Well, Mac began to experience some problems swallowing. So when we went into 1997, well, it started in 1996. But when we went to the doctor, he said, oh, you have sinus problems and just take some Dalvon, you know, take some uh, some type of sinus medicine. So he did that. But uh, about nine months later, he got what you could call the swallow. And so I started getting him soup and broth and stuff like that. So one of our musicians encouraged him to go to a speech therapist. So he did. When he went to her speech therapist, Richard, she told me, she said, she said, you are in serious trouble. Uh, Pastor Timberlake, and I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to get off this phone till I get you some help today. And immediately things begin to change in May of 1997. He, from that time, the, the next day we went over to our UNC hospital with the top neurosurgeon, and he found a big mass behind Max's throat. And, it, and when he went in, they found it was terminal cancer. They gave him three weeks to live. So now I've got to shift from being his wife and his co-pastor to being his uh, caretaker and, and being, uh, being the leader uh, of what he's been doing for all these years. But the, the thing the Lord had me to do, uh, and so the, what did they do? They had to go in and they had to do a bilateral bi bi dissection, literally cut his head off. Mm -hmm. And he had to go through chemotherapy and radiation. Well, after the chemotherapy and radiation, he was healed of the cancer uh, after three months. But what happened was, because he had radiation uh, this, it, on the, his neck, it closed up the, the base of part of his tongue where he could not swallow no more. Now, we've dealt with cancer and similar, but never have I experienced anybody that could not eat. So this, now he is alive, but he's like, he's like a walking dead man. So he can, he's alive. He said, he asked God, don't let me lose my voice because I, I want to always carry your word. And so God allowed him to still have his voice to sing and to carry the word, but he could not eat us. He could not swallow. So what I had to, they had to put a nutrition tube, a feeding tube in him. And he literally went from 240 pounds to 160 pounds, like within a month. So what, so my job now is to get a vegetable broth and nutrition in his system, but also ensure to give him the, put the weight on him. So we got him back up to 190 pounds. He lived like that for five years, but he could, what he would do, he would take water and rinse his mouth out and drink hot tea to keep the mucus out. Mm -hmm. He did that rich for five years. So I tell people, don't give me no kind of excuse for not doing what God has called you to do. And it got to where it got to the point that he said, if God don't heal me, 
I don't want to live like this no more. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so what I had to do, and I had to share it to my congregation, and he did with the congregation and our children, you cannot question God. But this man continued to give God his best, even through his attack. It was a job attack, but we know this attack came from the devil. So when he passed, the next week I was installed as pastor. But what it told me again, Richard, was divine connection and the power of obedience. Because had I not obeyed God in supporting him to become a minister and quitting my job to be with him 27 years every day of his life, I would not have had been able to be with him the five years to live those five years to really mentor me and, 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 and instill in me what I need to do as he left here. Well, everything, everything that you had done had prepared you. But that, that, but what I'm doing now, you know what I'm saying? I remember the phone call that you and I had after he yes. went home to be with the Lord. I knew uh, how God was going to use you, and he certainly has, and the church has grown, and the ministry has grown, and I am so thrilled at what God is doing. I miss Mac very much. Mac yes, was sir. a very close personal friend to me and to many others around America and around the world. But I also know that there's a great calling upon you and upon your life. And that call is just as strong today, Brenda, as it was then. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And so here's what I tell people. One thing I've learned too, Richard, is tragedy going to help. Uh, trouble is going to come. Obstacles are going to be thrown our way because in Psalms 34, verse 19 says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. But God delivers us all out of all of them. Psalms 23, verse 4 say, Yet I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We're going to have some valid. I'm telling you, those five years was the valley of the shadow of death. But you know what I did? I kept pictures of Matt uh, when he was vibrant and healthy and strong. And I encouraged him. And I, I, I even the five years, sometimes we would still study together, Richard, just like we did before he got sick. Sometimes all he could do. He couldn't even lift his hands above his, his, his head like this. He couldn't do his head. He couldn't even dress himself. But I always empowered him as the man of God. And sometimes he would just come to church. All he could do, he said, he said God said, if you can just go and show up, you don't have to say anything. Just your presence would make a difference. And when he would do that, sometimes they'd have to take him back home. I would always ask him, what do you want us to preach? And even though he didn't get the preacher, I always empowered him and gave him that power to still be the head pastor and the head of the church and the husband. So even though he could not physically be that, he was, he was, uh, he was, I, I spoke that into his life emotionally. And then the last month before he passed, he told me, he says, Brenda, I want you now to just take over everything. You decide what you want to preach. You know, and I was so excited there because some stuff, I'm like, why I got to preach that? But now, Richard, it's been many days I want to look at him and say, what you want me to preach, you know? <laughs> and now it's been 19 years, Richard. Yes. Uh, but it seemed just like yesterday, but the ministry going on, I, I started in, in, imparting this same anointing to my children. As a matter of fact, the same daughter that I was out on leave with, uh, when God spoke to me, went to all you, her and her husband, and they thought her husband was our son because his name was Tim, too. And they are part of the ministry. And my son, Timothy, also is the, is the lead pastor. He's doing great things now. And, and I'm the founding uh, pastor. And he is the lead pastor. And he is doing wonderful things now all over the world. Well, I praise God for that. Brenda, you are a story of courage. 
and perseverance and endurance. And I honor you before the Lord because of the stand that you took for your husband and because of the stand that you took and are taking and continue to take for God. And I bless you. You are a living testimony of what someone can do when they say, okay, God, I'm going to do what you call me to do. And I'm so thrilled and so proud of what you have done and what you are doing. But let me ask you this, Brenda, knowing that there are people right now who who are in similar situations, perhaps it's not a ministry situation, maybe it's in a business or maybe it's in a family or in some other way. As a, as a powerful woman of God right now, uh, with all the calling of God upon your life, would you pray over someone right now who's facing a similar situation? Yes, sir. Uh, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those that's viewing this broadcast, this podcast, your Lord. And Father, we know that through the past year, that a lot of people have been attacked, have lost loved ones, and have hit some obstacles and some setbacks. And Father, for those that have lost loved ones, God, I just want them to know life will not be the same, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, life goes on. And God, as you have impacted me and empowered me, and God, I prayed the same prayer that I prayed for me. God, you took your healing hands and you guarded my heart from grief and sorrow and, 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 and depression. And Father, I speak forth now, God, a spirit of joy, unspeakable joy, a determination, God, to go forth in the power of the Holy Spirit like they never have before, God, just to continue to do what you've called them to do. Father, as long as there's breath in our bodies, it means you're not through for us, God. You have a you have a hope and a destiny, a future for us, God, and for those that's, that's listening today, God, and Father, give them a whole new hope, give them a whole new determination, and give them a fresh anointing, God, to go and be all that you have called them to be. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Now, here's what I hear the Lord saying to me as I hear Pastor Brenda pray. I believe that the Lord is giving you an I'm going through this spirit. I'm going to make it. I'm not just hoping so. By faith, I am going to make it. I think that should be your your faith declaration today. I am going to make it in the name of Jesus. And I set my faith with every one of you watching and listening today. And I believe for God's very best in your life. I speak to the devil and command him to take his hands off of your life. I pray over you today. I rebuke every sickness and every disease and every fear and every doubt. And I say in the authority of Jesus' name, you take your hands off of God's property. And I pray for you, my dear brother, my dear sister, right now, you have a spirit of, I'm going to make it in the name of Jesus. If Brenda can do it, you can do it in Jesus name. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Pastor Brenda, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you so much, Richard. It was my <laughs> honor and such a privilege. And be sure to give my love to all the family and special ends. I will do it. And if you are in the Raleigh area, Creedmoor is just outside Raleigh. If you're looking for a place to worship, Christian Faith Center, you'll never regret it. I've been there. I've preached there. And uh, uh, you'll be blessed. That's Christian Faith Center in Creedmoor, North Carolina, right there in the greater Raleigh area. Pastor Brenda, God bless you. And thank you for joining me today on Expect a Miracle with Richard Roberts. Join me next week for another outstanding guest. God bless you, and I expect something good to happen to you. If you would like to support this or other outreaches of this ministry, please go to oralroberts.com. We believe when you give to spread the good news of Jesus Christ, your giving will be abundantly multiplied back to you according to God's word in Luke 6, 38.